So what are your thoughts on Elizabeth Moss? Um, I think that she is fabulous and terrible. (laughs) (laughs) So this is what we're going to get to today, as well as a couple other things. And we are going to talk about the finale of Kenobi. Um, And as always, we're here. We're queer. Now Now give give me me my my entertainment. Welcome back, folks, to episode six of season two of the Airstreamers podcast. And uh, we, uh, I do want to talk about my initial question, which was Elizabeth Moss, in a little bit more detail. Um, And here's the reason why I'm asking this question, because I decided that I wanted to start reading the book called Shining Girls, um, which I I think that's the title. And uh, it's a book that came out in 2013. And it, I got to tell you, I have never been more confused by a book whilst at the same time not giving up on the book. By this point, that's I, a struggle. I know myself. Yeah. I would have jumped ship. Mm-hmm. And something about it has kept me entertained enough where I'm like, you know what? Let me just keep turning the page and pretending to know what's going on. And then at some point, I got to tell you, something clicked. So then I went on Apple TV Plus, and me and Chris both watched the first episode of the TV show that they released, which is the reason why I started watching in the first place. And I ended up enjoying the episode more than I did the beginning of the book, for sure. But I have deep struggles with Elizabeth Moss. I have We didn't talk about this beforehand, but I am so elated that you brought it up because I think that okay we'll talk about the real reasons why i gave my answer of she's both wonderful and terrible at the same time but i want to say this is a very um appropriate time to talk about this given the state of affairs because i feel like she embodies and represents to the world the concept of handmaid's tale and i feel like as a country we are inching no i don't even know inching we we are running galloping Mm -hmm. toward that that type of um landscape yes and i feel like that also falls into it's like when i said she's both wonderful or terrible and fantastic at the same time this is uh an offshoot of that because in my mind she is representing that concept of our country going to turning into Gilead and becoming Handmaid's Tale. So much so that we couldn't even finish that show. Literally gave up on it. Not because it was bad, but because it was emotional. It was too real. It was way too real. It was way too intense. I feared for the fact that our country might go that route. And then, and yet here we are. And we're recording this um, for people who might be listening after the fact, just after Roe v. Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court. One day later, and I, I, I don't think that we're going to come out of this in our lifetime. I think that this will be a situation that is dealt with cross generations, and I don't mean to be wildly grim, and I don't know if anyone tunes into this podcast for this hyper sense of realism, uh, but it's just to sort of paint the picture for why I'm even asking this question. Uh, to Let us with. hope that somebody is still listening to this fantastic podcast. Five star in- only. Five star only 
and because it's probably uh, not probably certainly the only all five star podcast on Apple Music going forward between now and 2105 and people will be tuning in in 2105 having reintroduced Roe versus Wade mm. living their best life women have all the rights that they are entitled to gays are strong and the agenda is affirmed and does not even require an agenda anymore and we are loving our life yeah. and we're all in we're bone dust in the in the corpse holes but 2105 people are going to be happy yeah so this is what we're, this is why we're recording today for the folks in twenty one oh five. Also, just real quick note: it is not Apple Music that this is on. It is on Apple Podcasts. We are oh. not singing. This is not a song. Oh, it's in case a, you didn't know. No, it's a song of intellect. Mm. Um, yeah. So you tell us a story now about why you are associating Elizabeth Moss with this concept, right? Um, and and we got to really talk about the the. Elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is the fact that she puts out the meat and potatoes of why. Yeah. She puts out this persona in all of the things that she does, where it's this person who's struggling to get by and pushes through, creates these barriers for, um, not creates, uh, overcomes these barriers. Yeah. Yeah. And overcomes the barriers that are put about herself as an example in Mad Men. She went from secretary, like that was off, you know, the, the lowest of the low of the low to spoiler, a spoiler alert in the end of um, Mad Men. She became like a top tier executive, like a business person. It was her, her trajectory and journey. in that was remarkable. Then following that, she did uh handmaid's tale, which is still happening. I don't know what the results of that are. I don't know if they're, I can't determine if their goal is to try to... They're also marching towards 2105 in that show. Maybe. I mean, where we left off, it was was today. We left Mm -hmm. off in the today of that show. Yeah. And I don't know what's to come. A couple of friends said that they need that we need to watch it because it does get a little bit more, I guess, like air quotes better. Um, and then here we are in Shining Girls where she's trying to solve a murder that's taking place or that took place because someone uh, tried to commit that murder on herself as well. And so, like, she's trying to discover how uh, why this person's not caught yet piece and, everything and together piece everything together and and so these are the elements of this story of elizabeth moss now the meat and potatoes of it all is that she's also a high level ranking whatever scientologist and we know what that's kind of all about it embodies um, the same problems that we're discussing in handmaid's tale exactly. and in the world and in all of this struggles exactly and so like it's you know it's one of those things where i hate this idea that i have to choose to separate the art from the artist or whatever that nonsense is i have a real 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 hard time with that um because of the fact that you know jk rowling's whole journey which we can talk about one day um is so anti-queer at this point in her journey that it has absolutely off not anti-queer i think more anti-trans because she does support support, gay and lesbian which is i i mean Wrap your mind around that one. I find it a really difficult thing to process. Right. But here we are. Isn't it almost and, like fascinating in a, in, a, in a negative way? You know how something can be fascinating where you're just yeah. like, wow, like how what mental gymnastics are you doing that you're creating a world for yourself that you can 
absolutely openly be a transphobe while at the same time claiming that you are uh, like all about the LGB community that almost makes me laugh to be honest I mean it's it's bonkers it's absolutely like bonkers. you're just one consonant away from Literally. getting it that's it <laughs> yeah. exactly you're one consonant away from getting it I love that line now um, look with Elizabeth Moss I want to say that the other the meat and the potatoes <laughs> the A1 sauce that's going on the meat is that she is a fabulous actress she is so good in these roles. I don't know how she does in roles. Like, I can't imagine her in, like, a... Like a joyous, happy a joyous, role. Yeah, like, she's, she's never going to play in, like, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Or, like, you know, Elf. But, I, I don't think she fits that role. But you know what? If she does, you literally heard it here first, folks. This is <laughs> We are breaking the future news in 2105. <laughs> Can that, you imagine happening. her in like a, um, in like a a Mean Girls? I mean, no. That's why I think, in a negative way, to what you're saying, she's actually a little bit typecast now. A little bit. Um, she's pigeonholed herself into yeah. this idea. But I will say though, Chris, you never saw Mad Men, and she was actually like funny in Mad Men, but not in the way that you think. She was just sort of like. Like deadpan funny, I would really imagine. Deadpan funny. Yeah, that's yeah. how I would imagine. She, her. I don't think she really laughed, but the delivery of things she gave yeah. were very deadpan sometimes, and they and they made me laugh. But you know, th- there is zero laughter. I want to say Jillian. that it is okay. Silver lining in this, we know she's a Scientologist, and I I think that they think that is is their thought process that there's an alien coming to pick us up or something. Yeah, or is that another cult? No, I, don't I know. think that's I think that's right. Why don't you tell us your thoughts, and I'm going to just do a quick. Little I googly. think I have a theory with Elizabeth Moss. Okay, tell us that she, as this fantastic actress, has decided to pursue method acting, like the Capote guy or whatever. Yeah, who did? Who wants to live in? the space that she's acting in and experience it so she can enhance her acting abilities. And so maybe just maybe she has joined Scientology because it's somewhat accepted within the acting community, uh, like Tom Cruise and probably many others. Yes. And so she's decided to go down this path to, Put herself in this Handmaid's Tale situation. Put herself in these roles that she typically gets placed in to experience it, live it, and enhance her acting. And and act from experience. From lived experience. Sure, I get that. Maybe then if that's the case and she's doing it that way, would you still hate her? Um, or would you respect her I, for that would, commitment and would, to her career? I would probably want to like meet her and just say to her, like, Sis, it's not worth it. You're you're a you're a wonderful actress, whether you've lived this experience or not. But and I want to hug you and thank you for your craft for putting the work in. But you don't have to. But come away from you. It. Uh, I think you're. Is it like chick, that's a chicken or the egg argument? Philosophically, I would say. She's been a Scientologist. So is she a good actress because she was a Scientologist and experienced it and did the method acting? Or 
is she's she so just good. naturally a good actress? And this is you know just, yeah. whether she did this or yeah. not. You yeah. don't know. Yeah, this no, is a chicken. Know. Chicken and egg problem. I, I have uh, some answers here about the alien. Um, in Scientology, uh, Zenu, also called Zemu, was the dictator of the Galactic Confederacy who bought who brought billions of his people to Earth at, in a spacecraft 75 million years ago and stacked them around volcanoes and killed them all with hydrogen bombs. Oh, that? Yeah. Somebody thought that up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, uh, the guy, uh, DK, what's his name? Uh, Hubbard or whatever the guy who wrote that book that this is all based on that's recent he wrote like a fiction book I mean I'm I'm not method acting at the moment so I don't know that much about it all I know is Ron that there's L, aliens uh, L. Ron Hubbard um, is the guy I can't I literally uh, oh you're on a list now that you're googling yeah this. but I also can't even believe that this is like where this uh, podcast today brought us um, I'm I'm, I'm saying it out loud right now because I know we're going to run out of time. This well, we are not going to be able to fulfill the concepts we've wanted to fulfill in this particular podcast. So it will be a two-parter. We're going to, <laughs> as per usual. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what we're going to do is, I have a couple more questions of a couple more things I want to discuss with you, and I think I want to just dip our toes into the Kenobi finale and then have a proper full meat and potatoes episode of Kenobi. That's what I propose. Fair. Live so the, in the moment. We're going to have the nice little appetite. We're going to have the vegetable dip spread. Yeah. Of the Kenobi show. With no light ranch from Hidden Valley. No. Oh, oh I mean, I'm saying the words and my head is hurting. There uh, is MSG in Hidden Valley Ranch, Light Ranch, and also regular ranch, which we did not know. And both of us had salads just the other day. And both of us felt the that like weird effect I thought, of it or okay, whatever. Yeah, it was weird. because This is total. We're totally digressing but as this is usual. what as per usual this is what you get but we had salads two days in a row for dinner and both decided that light ranch was the choice the the, uh, the uh, <laughs> salad de jour yeah. whatever okay. sure. <laughs> and we both days had ridiculous headaches and I didn't know why, and I don't even know that they science knows if MSG causes headaches because I think it's still up for discussion. I agree. They did those tests where like they gave fifty percent of the people, but whatever. whatever, whether it's a salad headache or an MSG headache or a ran- light ranch headache, I don't know. I just had a headache, and then you're like, wonder you're trying to eat healthy for a second with light ranch that's like Heck no yeah. calories, and then you get like. Ill. Punished. Yeah, totally punished. Okay, can we bring it back to entertainment? Because salad is not entertaining, <laughs> especially after this. Um, I'm going to move on quickly, which, by the way, I'm going to sum up the Elizabeth Moss thing. If you've watched uh, Shining Girls or if you've read the book, let me know what you think, because I already in one episode have many, many, many thoughts that are, you know, the whole, well, in the book or, well, I read the book and it was, you know, I was, I'm insufferable. I thought we watched multiple episodes. Yes. Well, we didn't finish the second episode yesterday. You were fell asleep. Oh, right. Yeah. So it was probably um, the MSG headache. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but I actually, I got to be proud, uh, be honest with you. I'm very proud of myself that that first episode. I waited for the episode to end for me to then be all like elitist about, well, in the book, you know, 
Um, oh, during it must the episode, have been burning inside, but literally burning. Yeah, like a heartburn. The volcano yeah. that they used to kill the, the MSG heartburn. No, the aliens put them by the the volcano to kill. Oh, all the that was a metaphorical. That was my heartburn. Heartburn, or it was yeah, a, a volcano metaphor, which actually was the esophagus of LBJ Hubert. Yes, exactly that. Next question I have. What are your thoughts, since we just watched last night also, uh, what are your thoughts on the non-elimination style of Drag Race's current season? Oh, this is a great question, too. I um, am, I'm a little bit torn on it because, okay. So share with everyone what it is that's happening for folks who are not watching the show. What's happening on this, um, uh, the Mole People in the Sky gift to television at the moment, RuPaul... Drag Race has decided to create an all-stars season that takes all of the winners or some of the winners from prior seasons and bring them back as all-stars. I think they call it uh, Drag Race Season 7 All-Stars All-Winners Season. Well, it's just fabulous because they're all rock solid. Like, they are all really good in their craft and... um. And so now when you're looking at it, you'd want to see, you don't want anybody to go home. And so I, it really makes sense with Rue making this decision to keep them all there and not eliminate anybody because you want to see their progression because they all have something to show. Absolutely. And it could be one day, one week could be like a, one of them might excel better than uh, another week and vice versa. But ultimately in the past, this was a reality type show where there's, let's say 16 um, queens. And then at the end of the episode, two of them would be up for elimination. They would lip sync for their lives. And then one of them would uh, remain. That's typically how it's done. And then Rue flipped the script in the all-star season by not choosing himself who's going to be in the bottom or who's going to go home, but giving the top most rated queen the ability to choose who will go home, which that was a twist in and of itself. And then for this season, like Chris said, they are not eliminating anyone because I guess it really would be. It's kind of like whoever gets the most. Yeah. It's whoever gets the most wins will move to the finale. And then Rue will pick. Yeah. And so here, so the, the, the decision behind must be that they just want everybody to continue to stay on. Yeah, and, not and you know eliminated. what? I think that it's a it's a wholesome, joyous like celebration of drag every single episode. There, there's very little drama. There's very little negativity. Even when they get reviewed um, at the end, there's not much negativity. And I guess it's because no one's going home, so it's like why go there like usually yeah, because we all know that happen, they're we all know that they're um they're good at their craft so why do we themselves. need to critique exactly them? and it would be weird in my opinion to like post win critique them only because they are all successful it yeah because be you'd really never weird. go to like well um people probably would but go to like a madonna show and say like oh well she could have performed that better you know like i would probably argue a lot of people would say that about madonna I know, but why? Because they're awful humans. They're the ones who are Terrible. put by the volcano. Yeah. That, well, that's they're they're going to take, take, take them first in mm-hmm. the spaceship. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, I want to say that the, because I am, I, you know, I'm just going to sit on this fence 
all episode long because my problem with this type of season where nobody goes home is that lack of drama because as a good gay and according to the agenda, the gay agenda, I should be entitled to my drama. I agree. And not having that drama. Um, oh, that was so weird. And I wonder if it recorded. We just got a follower on Twitch as our Twitch is up. And uh, that may have recorded in this podcast. So well, w- welcome. <laughs> legend. Um, and so that's kind of my my take on it. I think that I really like the drama aspect of and like the the um fear that it induces in the yes. in the queens to make them everybody loves a good survival story a million percent and i feel since we've experienced that with every single one of these let's now celebrate them that's kind of what i think yeah it comes down yeah. to and i love it if you if you've never watched the season of drag race this could be a really really good first season for you to watch quality um art like the act of drag is the highest level you'll see in each of these uh, performers throughout the the episode for sure. Um, one final thing before we dip into Kenobi, and we don't have to dwell too much on this right now. Um, but what are your thoughts on Miss Marvel's uh, viewership being nearly half of all the other Marvel? Is it really? Yeah. So the the stats are in the first. Five days of the show's premiere, it was viewed by 775,000 households, whereas the second lowest one, like past that, was 1.6 for WandaVision. And then going upwards from that, the the most viewed was Loki. But we're talking 2.5 million for Loki, like 1.8 million for Moon Knight, 1.8 million for Falcon and Winter Soldier, and 1.5 million for Hawkeye. And then for Ms. Marvel, it was 775,000. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'm not surprised either. Not because I think it's a bad show. I think it's a fantastic show, and I love every, I've loved every episode that we've seen so far. It's such a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. It is such a nice, joyous, wonderful celebration of, of Muslim culture how a teenager gets roped into this sort of heroic idea and finding out more about her family and how the family plays into it all. And the fact that it takes place in like Jersey city, New Jersey, which is like 25 minutes away from us. We need to get over all of this. Like just let people live their lives and there's a wholesome story there and let's just enjoy it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a story that you 100% 100% experience or can relate to like take wild? something else new in isn't that wild that you are so we need to get over it as a as a yeah as humans uh, you are in such a box you've put yourself up in in these thick concrete walls that the moment something is like a little bit outside of your box even if it's right on the other side of that concrete wall yeah you still can't do it you still can't get, get into it. Yeah. Because it's crazy. It's a young female Muslim. Character. I'm sure people are even pissed that it's Ms. Marvel. Yeah. Like that's, they're probably like, you know, I was, I always wonder about the title. We, we haven't revealed, it hasn't revealed itself yet as to why it's called that. I know the Marvel, you know, Captain Marvel connection. I get yeah, that. Yeah. But I'm curious why it is Ms. Marvel. Like, 
in the comic book, I'm sure there's some element of it, and I'm sure they can't change the title of it because that's actually the comic's title. Yeah. I'm curious how the um, comic book sales were. If it had a... That it, is a great question. You know why? Because I wonder... I, television is certainly... Uh, touches all of the different demographics. And... Um, and comic books has a pretty specific demographic that it targets. And I wonder if that targeted demographic group is more accepting of this, because if it's, it must've been popular enough that it made its its way to a television show. So I'm, I'm curious. So I just did a quick little googly and it says that there was a trade paperback collection of the, the print collections that came out at some point and it sold uh, half a million copies. Um, I, I working at Barnes and Noble for part of my life, like that's a pretty significant amount. Um, so I think what your point is is correct that the demographic that specifically is about the comics yeah. is likely more accepting. What a shame, and, right? That well, we just about, can't that we just can't get over it. The comic book group, the folks that basically propelled MCU into the world, they are the ones who are most accepting. You know, I just wish that people would watch it and enjoy it for the story that it is and not have to nitpick it for the things that they can't directly relate to. And more importantly than that, I want people to just have the empathy and compassion to understand that people different from you need stories too. And that's, that's, I think, the most important thing for me is that you should be able to watch this and say, you know what? I can't relate to it. I think it's a great story and I'm having a good time watching it. But you know what? There's probably like a young Muslim woman who doesn't have a story of her own to watch on in the Marvel world. And that this is an opportunity for her to have that and just let it be one million percent. In, in the same way that like I like it when I have movies that I can relate to the gay agenda with. How many of those exist? I mean, it's still coming up and maybe in July 2022's edition of the agenda. I don't know. I haven't gotten it yet. I know. Exactly. Uh, they, you know, there's a kiss. Did you see that one theater in Lightyear? There's a same-sex kiss, which I which I didn't realize in, in Lightyear, the Disney movie. I didn't realize that... Is it Chris Evans? Because that's going to break the internet. No, it's... Uh, <laughs> it's um, Orange is the New Black's uh, Crazy Eyes, is that her name? Oh, yeah, yeah. With the, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so Crazy Eyes is the voice actress who plays. She's the, a great actress, too. Wonderful. And she is with a woman. They're married. And they, what I've led to believe is the type of kiss I thought when I read about it, I thought it was going to be this big grand moment where at the very end, I've saved you. Now let's make out, you know, like one of those yeah. like elaborate things. Do you know that it literally, it's like, okay, honey, I'm leaving. I'm going to go now. Bye. And then like kiss on the cheek, like, or kiss on the lips. Like, oh, God. that's what it, it, it's so quick it, that you blink, you miss it. And, um, the there's a theater somewhere in like the in the south, of course, uh, that posted everywhere like flyers that said, um, "Hey, parents, we are aware that there's a same sex. Uh, we want to make you aware that there's a same sex kiss that happens in this movie, um, and we will fast forward that part, but we just can't. Um, we can't. Um, what's the word? Like uh, accurately fast forward. So like." 
it may happen. But but just so you know, we're on it. We're gonna fast forward it. Is and that even legal? No, and that because I, don't think, I that it think that you can't alter the like if you license that, you right. can't alter it after the no, fact. unless the company who sold it to you altered it on their end uh, or approves the alteration. Right, right. But they did not, of course. And then a week later, after or like a day later after this all was put out into the world, they removed the thing because like, hello, what in the world are you talking about? Wait, they removed the kiss or they removed, they removed the... the flyers that said we. Will Oh, protect okay. your children from this evil same-sex kiss. God. Can you freaking even? We have bigger battles to fight, folks. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, listen, we are we need to wrap up, but I want to say that um, the next episode, we are going to focus on Kenobi. Um, we didn't we, even have our appetizer no, yet, but and, and we're going to have a full feast next. I will say it's going to be very spoiler heavy, and uh, if you don't want to hear anything about it, uh, you know, be aware. Uh, I will say my favorite Or parts, just do your homework and watch, and then you can formulate your own thoughts as sure. we're talking. Formulate our thoughts in your ear holes. Yeah. Uh, and so I, just to tell you, I loved it. I absolutely thought it was a spectacular ending slash beginning i mean there's so many aspects of it that i want to talk about i love the colors of the fight and i will say that that fight was probably i told chris after this ended and i and i ruminated on it with my gut for a little bit and i still think this holds true the fight that kenobi had with darth vader may have been one of my favorite lightsaber fights i think in the world of Star Wars. And, the, and we'll unpack that. But but that's yes. that's my takeaway. My quick little... That's your little appetite. That's your light ranch and in Valley dip. That no, you're that's gonna... a breadstick, Elias. Oh, okay. And not even like... I don't, Are do you there get dip with on it? No, this was a plain breadstick. Oh. And probably like one of the cracked ones that are left over that like the cheapo restaurant just didn't clean up the table beforehand <sighs> and left it on. Yeah. And yeah. you're literally just, oh, I'm hungry, so I'm going to have yeah. the scraps. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've just given you. So if you want the whole meal, the Bread meat potatoes, and A1 steak sauce, and... Uh, the veggie spread. The veggies, yeah. And the hot, the pigs in a blanket, and... Um, and nice, fresh uh, breadsticks. Yeah, I think you said breadsticks. The condiments, and also, like, the real nice, juicy steak. Yeah. Yeah. Come join us next time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Airstreamers podcast, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye, everyone.